Welcome to another episode of your favourite podcast, Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any of our new listeners all around the world, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. What we then do is we share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Um, yeah, we're not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod almost any week. Uh, this is just a summary of, of what we found out. But hopefully by sharing some of the knowledge with all of our listeners, we can all learn just a little bit more about a whole load of things. Sounds good to me, Liam. Looking forward to this one. We'll explain why we're doing it in a moment. Let's get on with it. This week's topic is... Galileo. Liam, this week's topic is Galileo. This is one where I sort of stumbled across this a couple of times in previous pods, and we thought we should really look into who this guy is, didn't we? Yeah, I think he, we mentioned that he was the first guy to spot Saturn's rings at some point, and we also mentioned that he, he, came up with the phrase aurora borealis for the northern lights like in the 1600s and both times we joked like how does a guy do this 400 years ago yes and uh yeah we just ended up going we should probably let's 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 find out so that's why we're doing it. it's galileo galilei to give him his proper name but what did you know about about him beforehand well i knew that he was the first person to spot the rings of saturn <laughs> and I also knew that he coined the phrase Aurora Borealis. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about it, really. <laughs> How about yourself? No, nothing. No, nothing. But absolutely a name that you've heard of. Oh, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's it's certainly not. I mean, I know nothing about him. Well, even if it was a him, I think I guessed it was a him. But uh, certainly had heard the name. You know, there's loads of scientists you could probably name that you've heard of, but don't know what they do or did. So... Yeah, nothing really. But this is quite interesting. It turns out he was pretty important. Yeah, massively so. And sort of along your line of work as well. Yeah, yeah. it turns out he's a pretty famous mathematician. But, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I should have known this. Uh, I feel like bringing it up in class or something. Um, uh, no, don't ask. Don't, don't put me on the spot of any maths questions, please. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, yeah, let's let's get on with him then. So you, you've already said his full name. People will just know him as Galileo. But yeah, his full name was Galileo Galilei. And he was born in Pisa in Italy on the 15th of February, 1564. So we're talking quite a few hundred years ago there, aren't we? Yeah, what, what is that, like 450 years ago? He died in 1642. He was about it was 77 when he died. He was the oldest of seven children. His dad wanted him to study medicine uh, when he was young because there was lots of money in medicine at that, in those times. But yeah, did you read that he ended up going to a monastery at 11 because he wanted to become a monk? Yeah, yeah, I, I read that as well. So his, his, dad, his dad was apparently quite an influential musician at the time. And I read some somewhere saying about just his name being Galileo Galilei sort of sounds a little bit musical or methodical, okay. some sort of um, melody to his name there. So I, that was part of the, the thinking behind his name in the first place. But yeah, he, he started going to a monastery school, thought about becoming a monk. His dad didn't like that. So he pulled him out of there 
and then sent him off to university to study medicine. His dad was super keen on him trying to get into medicine, but Galileo didn't like that. He got much more interested in, in maths and so shifted his focus to that, didn't he? Yeah, so he dropped out of, he eventually dropped out of, uh, he, so he's basically a university dropout. He is. All right, so, you know, if, any, if anyone's uh, ever thinking, what am I going to do in my life if I drop out? This guy, one of the most famous scientists and mathematicians ever, uh, he's actually a university dropout, uh, dropped out and he studied maths, didn't he? And he, he did private tuition to study maths and eventually took up a position as a teacher of maths. Um, but sort of throughout that was doing loads of other experiments and things, which which we'll get on to uh, pretty shortly, I guess. But yes, yeah, that was his early life, wasn't it? That's basically, yeah, he went to uni, didn't like it, dropped out, took up maths because he loved maths and went from there. Yeah. And just sort of in a, in a nutshell, what we said already he then went on to be known as the father of modern science. And this is why he's super important. So he then did become a mathematician, if we said, an astronomer and a physicist and people like Albert Einstein, like massively regard him as someone who's been super influential. And we'll come on to this a little bit later. This is something to um, a little bit of a teaser to keep you hanging. He massively fell out with the church and so he was he wasn't very popular with the church and the church was super influential at the time and they just weren't a fan of his his theories but let's uh let's maybe start with how and why that was the case because it was his whole approach to science sort of led him down this path of falling out with the church didn't it yeah this is really important so his approach that we were saying before we recorded this it's really hard to get across the importance of this so Back then, people were, were told what something was and, and they, you just took it as wrote, as, as this is it and this is what it will be and it will always be this. Yeah. He went about observing and experimenting and basically challenging perceived ideas. And for him, you know, it wasn't enough that someone told him something. He had to prove it. And he had to he basically invented the scientific method, the idea of testing and experimenting. <laughs> yeah. So and what, that, that is that is so shocking because people didn't do that. Yeah, it was again coming back to the church. The church was so influential. If they explained to people and people were weren't as well educated going back 450 years ago. So they they would believe when they went went to church and what these people in authority would tell them. But Galileo didn't go along with this and yeah, very much came up with this scientific method. So he's, he's using maths and testing things and coming up with techniques to then prove things that are in nature. So if somebody told him something, he'd go through a process of observing it, asking questions, seeking answers, slightly refining what he's doing in his experiments, which just seems like complete sense nowadays, doesn't it? It's just that, that is literally what every scientist does yeah. now. But yeah. he was the first person to do it. It's just that that is really hard to get across that way back in like the, the late 1500s, people didn't do that. And <laughs> yes. that he was the guy. He was the guy that went, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I found that really hard to get my I still, as we were saying, it, it's still hard to, to quite get across the importance of that. Because it's it just taken as red nowadays, yeah, completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so back then, a lot of people, there was a Greek philosopher and scientist called Aristotle, and basically he said a whole bunch of things, and he came up with a whole bunch of, like, reasons why the world is what it was and lots of rules and things that he thought 
everything sort of went with. And uh, yeah, Galileo was basically sort of against the Aristotelian theories, wasn't he? And he went about proving them, which is a bit of a big deal. Yeah, so Aristotle might be a name that people have heard of. Aristotle was from 384 BC. So these theories from Aristotle, who was Greek, they'd stood the best part of 1,900 years of people then going along with these beliefs and accepting that what Aristotle had said is correct. And one of the things that Galileo really wanted to counter the views of Aristotle was that heavier objects fall faster than lighter objects. That's what Aristotle said, didn't he? He said heavier objects fall faster than lighter objects. And Galileo, for some reason, he thought, I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to use some maths and I'm going to come up and test it and experiment with this. And so what he did is he dropped objects of different weights off the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And he he realised that that they fell at the same rate. Yeah, as long as there's as long as there's no like resistance and stuff. Yeah. Aristotle said that an object will fall in, in relation to its mass. Its speed will be in proportion to its mass. So an object that is twice as heavy will fall twice as fast. And Galileo said, I don't believe that. And he basically he went up the leaning tower of Pisa and uh, was he dropped two balls off the top and they were equivalent, they were different sizes, but they were essentially the same, they were just a smaller version of each other and they fell at the same time. Um but, but yeah, but doing that was unheard of. Yeah. Like someone actually testing something, having an idea and going, I don't really believe in what I've heard. I'm going to test it. Was like, that's what the, that's the thing that uh, that is new. And you're like, what well, didn't everybody just do that? Why? Yeah. Why did that take 1,900 years for, for somebody to drop two objects and go, oh yeah. <laughs> That's not another one. Another one he he proved was that objects follow. It's called a parabolic path. So if you, so if you, a a common one is like a cannonball. If you fire a cannonball, it will slowly drop to the floor, won't it? It will just over time. It will like if you drew a path of the ball, it would curve as it hit the floor. Yes. Aristotle said that the ball will fight will, will fly perfectly horizontally until it ran out of what he called impetus, and then it would just drop to the floor like like just like a rectangle it just goes straight along and as soon as it runs out of juice it just go and it's fall down but surely aristotle must have thrown something at some point yeah. to, to realize that stuff just doesn't go horizontal and then just kaput well yeah and, and anyone else <laughs> what why is galileo the guy that's doing this and going i just yeah so so it's really important that we that we get across the, the point that that he the scientific method, the whole thing that we do now is basically what he invented. And and he is, that's why they call him like the father of like science. Yes. Because, yeah, it's it's nuts. That That's just, it's really hard. Like it sounds like me and you just, just don't believe that that could be true. But that is, <laughs> is how, apparently that's how it went. And then so by doing this, by by dropping the, the two balls off the Leaning Tower of Pisa, a lot of people started to think that Galileo was attacking Aristotle and this made him really unpopular with a lot of people in Pisa at the time. Um, And so he had to move away, essentially. So he ended up moving to the University of Padua, which was in 1592. So that's sort of the, the time that we're still talking about. And he taught there until 1610. 
Um, and as part of that, he then went on to exactly as you, you were just saying, Liam, he came up with the, the law of falling objects and calculated the trajectory of a para trajectory, tra trajectory of a paraboa, of a parabola. <laughs> he then calculated the trajectory of a parabola, which massively went again, as we were just saying, what Aristotle said. Yeah, but this this whole idea of his, it led to him inventing some things, didn't it? He's quite well known for, for being, you know, as well as this. He, out of the back of this, he invented some stuff, which became quite a big deal as well. So it would be remiss of us not to mention some of the things he invented. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of those, going back to the parabola, is that he invented something called sectors, which is like a military-type compass that you use to then help know how to fire a cannon, where you should be aiming it, what sort of angles you 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 put them at. It almost looks like a, a set square, doesn't it, with a, with a semicircle in it. I don't know if that's the best way to yeah. describe it. A set square with a semicircle. And by knowing what angle to put your cannon at, you know which target you should be hitting. And that all comes down to that parabola that he calculated. Yeah. Basically, I've forgotten the name again. What did we say it was called earlier? That thing where you shoot the pigs at the buildings on, on that on the app. What's that called? Angry Birds. Yeah, basically, Angry You know Angry Birds? You've got to work out the angle that you've got to fire at to hit the thing you're looking at. He, he invented this, this object that you could use, that you could look through. And if you could see the enemies over there, you'd line it all up and it would tell you, right, fire your cannon at whatever, 39 degrees, and it will hit them, uh, which is, it became, a, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Yes. So we wouldn't have Angry Birds if it wasn't for Galileo. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, he also he invented the thermometer, didn't he? Or, or a version of the thermometer. Yeah. Which is, that's pretty crazy. Um, there, there was no real means for scientists to measure heat. So he, he came up with an idea. He, it's one of those ones. And my mum and dad have got one where they've got like, it's like a, a glass jar with loads of little bits of, Loads of little glasses inside them. Yeah, I know. You've seen them, and then they sort of float. And as the room gets warmer and the water expands, like these little things float higher or lower, and they sort of tell you the time. Tell you the temperature. Uh, sorry, yeah, they tell you the temperature. Um, <coughs> yeah, but but what what he then did was he then sold these inventions. So he's not making he's not making loads of money. He's teaching, and you know he's fallen out of favour with a number of people along the way. And so he's he sells these inventions to supplement his income, and then probably it'd be it'd be remiss of us. There's there's a big one that we could talk about that we've not yet in terms of inventions. Do you mean the pendulum clock? Because I feel that you're going to skip past that one. He basically <laughs> invented Big Ben, didn't he? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> No, I was talking about the, the bigger one, that the big one that, that leads on to some of his incredible discoveries. Yeah, so I think there'll be people that know anything about Galileo will say, not perfectly correctly so, that but he did have a massive hand in inventing or certainly improving the telescope, didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't invent it. That's a key thing. He didn't come up with the idea and actually invent the telescope. He, no. he heard about it from a dutch guy yeah there was a dutch eyeglass maker called hans lippershey and uh th this was just as like working with glass was sort of kicking off in like the early 1600s about 1608 and they realized basically at some point this hans lippershey guy 
took two um he took two lenses didn't he one what you know like nearsighted and short sight uh i don't i don't know what glasses are so that isn't it near and short near and long sighted or something short and long yeah yeah but anyway if you hold them up together and he looked through them he realized that the thing he was looking at he he looked through his window at a clock tower and he put the two glasses together just randomly two lenses not inside a tube or anything and he realized that the thing suddenly got really close and uh that's how he realized hold on a minute i could do something about this and he tried to to do a pattern for it didn't he for the telescope yeah so this is this is a dutch guy in 1608 and the the dutch um authorities said that it was too much of a simple idea and device for him to be able to get a patent on it and so he never actually had a patent granted but then what happened yeah. was the the rumor of this device spread and Galileo heard about it and decided to build his own, even though he'd never actually seen one himself. Yeah, but he built it quite quickly and he improved on it quite quickly, didn't he? I think he started about June 1609, he started. And this one that, that these Dutch, this Dutch guy had invented had a magnification of three. So everything was three times closer. Um, but very quickly, Galileo had one that had a magnification of eight, didn't he? And then eventually... Yes. Uh, eventually 30 or no 20 he got to 20 times magnification eventually didn't he which is incredible so he's just heard about that this is a possibility that if you put these these two bits of glass in a tube and then look where you want to look it will make things look bigger towards you and he thought yeah i can build one of those and ended up making it better than the person who originally came up with the idea which just shows that you know this this inventor side of him as well and as we just sort of said there this is what really leads us on to some of his incredible discoveries because he was the first person who was then really able to take this telescope and point it up to the sky and understand what was going on out there, wasn't he? Yeah, so if we go just go backwards to Aristotle, one of the, the biggest things that they said about the universe was that the, the planets go around us it's called geocentrism, geocentrism, and that Earth is in the middle and everything orbited us and that the universe was perfect and everything was lovely and we were in the middle. Now, Galileo turned in this new telescope that he's made up to the sky, initially the moon, proved otherwise, which we now obviously know to be true. But this is like big, big in it. <laughs> oh, massive. Yeah, this is this is absolutely huge. And the other theory, so geocentrism is that the Earth is at the centre of the universe. The other theory is called heliocentrism, and that's where the sun is assumed to lie at the central point. Yeah, and we know it does. That had been speculated, hadn't it? There was a, a, a Polish scientist who had originally come up with that. Was that a guy yeah, called Copernicus? Yeah, Copernicus had come up with yeah. that as an idea, but had no way of proving it. No, yeah. So so essentially over the next, so this was like, so this is 1609. He, he started building his his um, telescope in sort of June time. And it was like October, November time that he started, you know, this is really quick. This has all happened quite, you know, four or five months. He didn't even know there was a telescope until like June. Now he's already built one. It's already way better than the one that was there. And now he's looking up into space. Now, yeah, so the, I mean, the first thing he did was he looked at the moon, because obviously that's the biggest thing in the sky. 
and he realised that the moon was not smooth and it was not perfect. And Aristotle, the Aristotelian approach is that everything's perfect. Well, straight away he's looking at the moon; and it's all covered in craters and mountains and things. Yes. So, well done. That moon is not that is not a perfect moon. Yes. So I'm not sure that your meth your way is exactly correct. Um, the, the other thing he then looked at and challenged was the sun. So again, the sun was believed yeah, to be completely smooth, where he actually then found that it wasn't smooth at all, that it's it's got dark spots on it and it's got you know lots of um, surface to it rather than just being this spherical, perfectly spherical orange ball in the sky. Similarly, Venus. So well, that, right, I, so here's the thing, right? can do like 20 times magnification. Venus is still a flipping long way away. 20 times closer. That's still a long way. Can you even still see it? <laughs> I still don't understand that. Because that's many, many, many miles away. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So he looked at Venus and he realised Venus, much like the moon, had phases to it. You know how we talked about the moon and how, you know, we get our full moon and our crescent moon and our... our um, Waning gibbous? Well, yeah, that's the waning gibbous. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, he noticed that Venus had had a similar effect. And he was like, the only way that Venus has got that is if Venus is going around the sun. And obviously, at that point, he's thinking, well, hold on a minute. You know, this is this is not what it's supposed to be. Uh, yes. But the big one was Jupiter, wasn't it? Like his his that's when it sort of tipped him over the edge. Yeah, definitely. So th this was documented quite nicely. So he started on the 7th of January in 1610 to look at Jupiter through his telescope. And apparently what caught his eye wasn't Jupiter itself, but there were these three bright stars that were arranged perfectly in line on either side of the planet. Yeah. Galileo then sketched Jupiter and the three stars. And at first he was thinking, oh, this is just by accident. This is just by chance that this is this has actually happened. And then the next night, so on the, the 8th of January, he decided to look at Jupiter again. And there were three stars, but they were in different positions relative to where they were the day before and to the planet himself. So it got him thinking. Apparently it was cloudy on the next night, but on the 10th of January, he then saw a fourth star in the same line. And he then started thinking, hang on, he had some realisation that they weren't stars in the background behind Jupiter, but they were mini planets that were then orbiting around it. And this was a really big discovery, knowing that things can orbit around another planet and then carry on going around the sun. And it was yeah. just like really opening up this idea and some sort of proof that the sun was at the centre rather than the Earth. Which is, which is crazy to think that, that, imagine seeing that and being the first person going, oh my God, I think it's completely the opposite of what we've been told. <laughs> yeah. But imagine, imagine that. Imagine, like you were saying, seeing whatever it is you were seeing, like one blob with three other blobs, and thinking, yeah, I know what's going on there. However, hundreds of million <laughs> miles away. I mean, what we should what we should do is we'll post on our on our socials at two guys one topic at, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook what Galileo could have seen going back 400 years ago, what it actually looked like and what he then based this theory on. It's quite incredible. So he then, he then very quickly, this is in about Mar in March of 1610, he then released 
he, he printed up um it's only a t like a 24 page um i don't know like book story pamphlet. pamphlet yeah i don't know it was called sidereus nuncius which means starry messenger um it was only 24 pages and he only made 500 copies of it but he basically stated what he had seen you know like scientists they have, they, they make essays or whatever they call them yeah papers um, papers um yeah, so he's basically come out now in March, March of sixteen ten, and said, "Look, uh, I think that we might not be the center of the universe, and that this is my evidence. This is what I've seen. Uh, not hundred percent sure that I believe all of this." Um, and um, I, yeah, this is where we said a minute ago, like the church weren't happy with this, though, were they? Because the church, like you said, the church are all powerful in this time, yeah. And what they say goes, yeah. And they believe what Aristotle said that the earth is the center of the universe. Now this Galileo chaps come out and said it isn't. And also just where the church being annoyed with him and he's sort of like losing friends coming up with these theories that go against the church. He's not getting paid money. So he came up with a bit of a bright idea, didn't he? To try and get paid for his work and to have his, his experiments funded essentially. Yes. We named the star, the, the planets, didn't he? They, they've, um, no, sorry. He named the moons. Um, the moons have since been called the Galilean moons. We have since renamed them. But he named them after a family called the Medici family, who were a very powerful, wealthy political power in Italy at the time. Uh, the thought being, you know, if I name it after these, I do it in their, their honour, they will pay, fund, protect me from the church, etc. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a clever idea. Thinking, do you yeah. want to be named after something that's out there and going to be there forever and yeah their egos would have taken over they got some spare cash yeah why not <laughs> here this, you go this family this powerful political family by the way produced four popes so they are they were like they were legit this family uh but yeah so so it did sort of protect him because later on the church go full against him but it, at this point so this was 1610 by about 1615, they aren't very happy with him, are they? And, and uh, they, they banned him from, like, staying anything against what they believed, didn't they? But they didn't do anything else. They, like, I think you used to use the term, they wrapped his knuckles a bit, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they wrapped his knuckles and said, ah, oh, come on, Galileo, let's not start spreading these types of things. And the reason why the church was annoyed is because coming back to the whole world being perfect and that the the moon was smooth and the sun was smooth and the earth being in the center of the of the universe is because that's what's within the bible and so some of the things yeah. that he's coming out with are directly contradicting what's written in the bible which is why the church were was so annoyed because it's going against obviously their their book yeah so he then went quiet but he had to uh, he went quiet for about 15 years until he decided not to be quiet. And there was a new pope that was pretty liberal and sort of gave him an OK to, to sort of, you know, he'd, he'd been off doing his experiments and his learning, looking up at space and stuff. And he ended up writing a, a pretty more beefy book, didn't he? Um, it was called The Dialogue of the Two Chief World Systems, Ptolemaic and Copernican. Um, and then... And, what, what, what did he do in that book? Do you, do you want to just explain that quick? Yeah, so this this book was published in 1632. And yeah. exactly as, as Liam was saying, he, he got permission 
from Pope Urban VIII to then write this. And the, the, the reason why I got permission is because they, he knew that he was going to write about these different theories of geocentrism or helio, what is it? He, heliocentrism. Heliocentrism. He knew that he was going to write about those and the Pope gave him permission, but almost said, yeah, come on, you know, you know what you should be doing. Wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge in this it's book. Like you're coming down on. Yeah, let's, let's not do anything silly here, but yeah, you can write this book. Yeah, sure, go ahead. And then what he did is the book was all centred around three different people having a discussion around these three different theories. And it, it, it's pretty clear. He states these the, the theories that are out there, the, the two theories, three people talking about two theories, states what they are, and it's pretty clear he comes down pretty hard <laughs> on the, the heliocentrism, doesn't he? That the, Coper- the Coper- Copernican theory around that the, the sun is at the centre of the universe and the yeah. church absolutely kicked off at this. They weren't happy at all, were they? No, yeah, no, no, exactly what you just said. He came down with, so Nicholas Copernicus, I don't know if we've said his proper name. He was a, like you said, he's, he's another another scientist and uh, yeah his theory was about the earth going around the sun um yeah galileo came out in this book came heavily down on the side of copernicus basically trashed the other theory you know i've got all this evidence look i've got my telescope i spent 15 years looking this is what i'm telling he also by the way he, he saw um the uh, the rings of saturn didn't he now obviously they are even far away he only saw them quite blurry but he did say there was something to do with saturn that was yeah. a bit different yeah but anyway um, yeah, uh, the church basically um, arrested him. They found him guilty of, I call it hearsay, but that's not the word, is it? No, heresy. it's heresy. Heresy. Heresy, which I had to Google, means it's a religious belief not in line with the church. Yep. Which I, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, basically, the church, and they said, no, right, we're not having it. And they, they sentenced him to house arrest, didn't they? And he was, in, he was basically in house arrest for the next nine years till he died. Yeah, and he was he was really limited on who he could see, who he could talk to. He was told that he wasn't allowed to publish any more work, and that you know stop spreading these things that you're telling everyone, Galileo. Come on, man, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what yeah. they were saying. But they, Galileo, Galileo's view, had, he wasn't the only person who had these views, and there were other people who believed it. So he then had a few visitors who came and saw him. And uh, one of them was the, the poet, John Milton, who is a, an English poet, and someone else called John Hobbes. And they, not those two exactly, but um, it, Galileo did manage to smuggle out another manuscript of some work that he'd been working on for a good number of years, which was then further backing up more theories and physics on on how things work going against the church again. Um, so he managed to smuggle this manuscript out, which was then published in 1638. And that was the last piece of work that he managed to get out because later that year he turned totally blind. Yeah. And that, that's, that's where we're at. That's the end of it. But if you want to go and see his telescope, by the way, do you know, it's in a museum. You can go and see the telescope. The, the, oh, that's the main cool. one that you like his original one. It's in a, a museum in Italy. Well, just to say, so that was that was so he went totally blind, but then he then died in 1642, and he died at the age 77, which yeah, I think that seems like some good going. I, I 
didn't look up what the average age of someone in the 1600s was. But that's that's some pretty good going, isn't it? To live to 77 till 1642. I did I did read around the time that there was a massive plague in the 1600s in Italy, which killed 1.7 million people. Um, But he was stuck in his house. So, you know, it's a COVID. He was basically locked down. He didn't catch it because he wasn't allowed out. So is, is he should we credit him with inventing lockdowns as well? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but when we were saying um, that he went blind, one other thing is that a lot of people speculate that he went blind from staring at the sun too much with his telescope. But that's later people think that that probably wasn't the case. And it was just more that he just had glaucoma and cataracts um just okay. from just from old age. But that's also a bit of a myth about how and why you went blind did not know that one just talking about the church not being happy with him and stuff ollie you've actually already told me your takeaway for this week so i know that it fits in nicely do you want to uh, just tell us what the takeaway is uh, to do with the church yes yeah yeah so my two guys want to takeaway is that we know that the, the church were pretty angry with him sentenced him to house arrest back in the 1600s but the vatican didn't actually admit that galileo was right until 1992 <laughs> which is crazy yeah. isn't it so we're talking like 360 years later after he was tried and had a inquisition and he was saying all these things about that the sun yeah. is actually at the center of the universe the vatican didn't admit that galileo was right until 1992 and they they offered Does a formal mean- apology to him does that mean the Vatican didn't believe that, that we went round the sun until 1992? I don't know. I don't know if it's just they just didn't formally acknowledge it. And it <laughs> wasn't until Pope John Paul II invest, closed the investigation that was okay. that was still going on between the Catholic Church and, and Galileo. But yeah. Wow. All right. So that, that's okay. my takeaway. How about yours, Liam? What's your two guys' oh. one-topic takeaway? I mentioned earlier that, or just now, that you can go and see his um, his telescope if you want to. It's in a museum in Italy. You can also go and see his middle finger of his right hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's so grim. So when he so when he died, right, he was buried. Uh, nearly a hundred years later, they were moving his body, and someone cut off three of his fingers and a, a vertebrae uh, and a tooth. <laughs> Who decides to do this? Anyway, so two of his fingers, along with his tooth, were kept by admirers and have been rumoured to be handed down uh, through, like, generation to generation, and uh, to a point where there's now a a finger of his. I've seen a picture. Like, the image is disgusting. Like, who who decides I'm going to keep three of his fingers? (laughs) A really big fan. (laughs) A really big fan of his. but But then keep it for what is basically 300 more years. He's already been dead 100 years before they cut the finger off. <laughs> so, yeah. I've actually, I've actually, um, when I wrote this down, I give all my fingers a little head in on, uh, uh, I type it on my notes and I've written finger grimness this week because <laughs> it's just it's grim, isn't it? Like, ugh. It's disgusting. Anyway. Like you say, who who thinks about cutting a finger off and a vertebrae and a tooth? Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, right. What do you reckon about Galileo then. Ah, I, I know know loads more about him now. Super interesting. And just understanding that that scientific method that he came up with him. He's he's recognized as 
such an important astronomer and scientist by so many so many people like the theories and that that, that he came up with have proven to be accurate and just allowing future scientists to then go on and further explore the solar system sort of based on the initial things that he came up with and i said at the very very start that's why he then gets known as the father of modern science yeah unbelievable how about yourself um, yeah, I, I, I say I've got a quote written down um, just to try and sum up. Like you were saying, like we can sort of understand the importance of the way he decided to go about doing science. But it's when other scientists say it that, you know, it really holds weight. Yes. I mean, if someone else who you know is they are really, really clever and they are well respected and they are saying it, perhaps it's true. So I've got a quote from Stephen Hawking. OK. And it's. Galileo, perhaps more than any other single person, was responsible for the birth of modern science. Yeah. And I think when someone like that, who like we know Stephen Hawking is amazing, like if he says that, yes, then it, it must be true. And I, I think I, I, I just we'd have never known that if we hadn't bothered learning about Galileo. And yeah, just it's every scientist, every science lesson in school is test and test and experiment and read about and change and test again. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. He was the guy that did that. Like, yeah. how did no one think to do that beforehand? And I think that's that's really important to um to get across. But I mean, yeah, really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, All truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. <laughs> that's another good one. That's, nice a quote, that's a quote of Galileo. Right. Can't keep saying quotes. Otherwise, you, they won't hold their importance. So thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, what a, what a fun, um, brilliant. What an interesting person to look into and understand more about their life. We hope that everybody listening also have learned a little bit along the way and know more about Galileo now and the importance of him. We've been saying this series, we'd love it if people can help us try and spread the podcast, share some knowledge into some other obscure countries around the world. So if you've got any friends listening in any of those more obscure countries, get in contact with them, share some knowledge and let us know who and where you're sharing it and we'll give you both a shout out. Easiest way to get in contact is at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you with another episode next Tuesday. Get out there and share some Galileo knowledge.